Welcome to the latest podcast of Sunnews Nation. This is Pat LaRusso, and I'll soon be joined by Lucas Agenti and Anthony Sino. We'll be continuing our weekly series of answering fan mailbag questions and much, much more. Welcome to the latest podcast of Series Nation. I have Lucas Agenti and Anthony Sino here with me. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's been How a crazy week. Very. Very, uh, same, same, same old, same old right now, at least with the quarantine. Just trying yep. to keep busy. I guess the news of Doug Ford saying that we could be looking at some professional sports, at least an easing um, into them potentially starting to practice or begin their workouts is a good sign. Um, so I guess we just have just wait it out moving forward for the next couple of weeks, kind of see what progress is made out there. Yeah, I guess that's all you can really do is just wait and see. Uh, is it a good sign? Yeah, for the hopeful fans, for the optimistic fans. Does it really mean anything? I don't know. I'm going to take it with a big grain of salt. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I'm not going to believe really anything that I hear until I actually see some training camps open again. Um, we've seen, uh, I don't know if uh, we've seen the, if you guys were paying attention this weekend about the UFC, like uh, UFC went on first live sporting event that I've seen in a while. Um, you're going to have some golf, celebrity golf events with Tiger and Phil and Manning and Brady coming up later this month. That would be hilarious. Yeah, so those so there's going to be some live sports that way, um, but those are all individual sports um, sports that can be set up for social distancing. Obviously, aside from the UFC, I guess the UFC is a little bit more uh, uh, kind of paving a, path, a different path than what is a, would be typically known for in these sports. But it's going to be interesting to see how the landscape uh, pans out for these team sports when you have to get all these players back into the facilities. The testing, soccer, I, mean, I know Luke pays attention to soccer for sure. Soccer's starting up later this month, but they're going to be testing, I think, like three times a week. So yeah, yeah. definitely going to be some interesting storylines that are going to come out in the next probably two, three weeks, I would say. Most definitely, most definitely. So, yeah, so uh, Luke, do you, uh, do we want to get into these questions or what? Yeah, let's get into yeah. the fan mailbag. There were some doozies that came up this week that we all began to debate on Twitter, so... Let's have at it. Yeah, there were definitely some interesting questions on Twitter. Um, you know, the first one initially was interpreted differently by all three of us um, because it was kind of a unique question, I guess, in the wording. Um, it wasn't the best, but the question was, what five players on the current roster would you trade and who would you look for in return? Cap hit is not to be factored into the choices, but they must be logical moves, i.e. not a Mikhaev for Ovechkin. So I interpreted that a little bit differently than the other two guys, obviously. But Anthony, if you wanted to start, uh, maybe give an idea of what, how you interpreted it and or uh, what your answer to that question would be. Yeah, so I, I interpreted this question sort of like um, if you had to make, like if, if you, Kyle Dubas was forced to move five guys off this roster um, via trade, who would be the five most likely 
players to move or who who I would prefer they look to move. And uh, that's my that was my interpretation. I know. Luke, you interpreted it differently. Pat, maybe do you want to go into how you interpreted it? Yeah, I kind of looked at it um, just kind of like the best deal for the Leafs. Um, I even kind of still placed it in the context that we were still working within the cap, um, just given the nature of the uncertainty of what the next two seasons will look like. Um, so I, I didn't sure. want to completely remove the major elephant in the room to answer that question. And then I kind of took a, a further step back to kind of look at where are the biggest needs for the Leafs? Where are they going to need some additional bodies? Um, with so much movement, especially on defense, um, you know, that's kind of where I kind of started off. Yeah, and that's kind of the way I took it too because after reading it a couple of times, I, I genuinely looked at the roster over and over again and realized that there there are not five players I would want to move, even in a hypothetical scenario. I just, the, the roster is too deep, in my opinion, and if you're going to move five guys, you're going to have to move guys you don't want to really move. So I kind of stayed away from that. Um, and I guess I created more of a hypothetical deal that I would have loved to see or loved to see um, in the near future. But on that note, Ant, if you want to start, give your response to that. Yeah, sure. So uh, for me, um, I guess I'll start with uh, just just to reiterate. So my top five, I guess you'd say, or the power rankings is uh, in terms of guys that I'd like to see move. Number five for me would probably be, uh, it's going to be a, one that might hit hard with uh, some fans. It, it, I think it's Freddie Anderson, to be honest with you. Um, and those who follow me on Twitter know that I was probably one of the, the loudest uh, fans that was, uh, that was backing up Freddie during his very... Uh, tumultuous season I guess is the word in terms of like his up and down struggles um I I don't think that fans realize how good this guy has been since he stepped into a lead uniform he solved the biggest problem that has been ailing this franchise and basically since what Curtis Joseph at Belfour era yeah around there he gave us a he, he he is the he is the guy that can start sixty five games if he needed to. Um, he he's the bona fide number one in the NHL, and he's thir- the But the fact of the matter is that he's thirty years old. He he's just, he he did not have the greatest season um, when you just look at the kind of the high level box scores, if you will. Um, but for me, it's just it's age. Um, uh, he's, his deal expires after the 2020-2021 season. Now, I'm not saying that moving him is going to be... Because it's always to say, okay, yeah, we should move this guy, but then the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Who are you going to replace? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But, it, I, like, to tie it in, I know this question says, don't take cap into effect. Okay, but the reality is that the cap is probably not going to go up during, with this lack of revenue coming in from the, the coronavirus. And I don't know if you can justify giving a 31-year-old then, like, 31-year-old goaltender um, a, a significant raise. Like, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to expect seven-plus million a year. I, I don't even right? I don't even know if he would expect he, that, though. Yeah, at he, that he age, I don't know. He, he, he's, ma- he's making five right now. He's probably been... Since he joined the league, uh, the Leafs. He's been a top ten goalie in the league. 
numbers, strict numbers wise, um, he's been a top ten goalie in the league in my opinion. Um, the the only thing is is that his playoff struggles are are evident, right? Yeah. So let's just let's between the six to seven million range because he's already making five, um, but maybe you get him on less term, maybe three year deal or instead of a five year deal, for example, right? So I I just be interested to see what the market is for him. Uh, you, there definitely could be a team out there that is desperate for a goalie, um, especially um, with the expansion draft coming up. You never know what what's going to happen, right? So, so there's definitely there's definitely some uh, interesting uh, value to be determined there. I think so. He's my number five. Um, Pat, do you uh, do you have anything to say about that before I go into number four? Maybe we. Can yeah. So I kind of took the question a little bit differently, much like Lucas. So I kind of looked at where the team um, has its biggest need. And then I kind of worked back from there. Um, so w- the Leafs are stacked forward-wise. Um, they can score. We know they can. They're, they're deep, at least three lines deep, that can, that can kind of that can kind of nail you um, if you give them enough ice and you know, space and time. But So I looked at the defense. Clearly we know Muzzin, Riley, Sandin are a lock. Letnin is now seems to be somewhere, you know, just given the cap hit, he's going to obviously have a spot, but I still think that they need another top four, someone that can at least groom Letnin into the league, take off a little bit of pressure from Muzzin and Riley. Um, and a guy that I could see, and I, ideally if I, had a, if I had my way, is I would trade either Johnson and Kapanen with, with Dermott for like a Josh Manson. Someone that plays a little bit more of a steadier game. You're, you know, you're, you can toss him out for 20, 25 minutes a game. He, his age kind of ties in with the core. So, you know, you're not, getting, you're not bringing in an aging vet. Um, and I just think that as the team moves forward, we really start need. Now we're at a point where we need to start filling holes. You know, it's, it's looking where the biggest need is. Um, and then maybe round out the bottom line. Maybe finally say goodbye to the GOAT. And maybe package him with a prospect, and maybe bring in a, f- a proper fourth line center that um, that can maybe come in a little bit cheaper than the goat, but give you know give the team a little bit more of a different look on that fourth line, and just allow Keith to roll those four lines moving forward. Oh, absolutely. I think that's I think that's completely fair too. In essence, you can't forget that the defense is is Toronto's biggest weakness at the at the moment. So any deal you make, you're gonna you're gonna want to try and acquire a top two, top three defenseman. Yeah. So I definitely see that. Yeah. Anthony, did you want to continue? Or? Yeah, I think I got... You bring up a good point um, that you mentioned Kapanen um, and Janssen, for example. For me, uh, I, I firmly believe that if you had to trade uh, one of the two, it would definitely be Janssen for yeah. me, um, just with regards to age. And then you also factor in... Um, I think our depth on the left wing is definitely stronger as well. But, uh, like, I guess this kind of ties into who my number four and number three guys are. You mentioned Dermot. I'm definitely uh, interested to see what he can do. Um, I, th- I, I, I was digging into this earlier today when I, when I was uh, researching about this question. Is that I was trying to look at uh, defensemen that were similar to Dermot's age kind of near the end of their first entry-level deal. And I landed on a guy like Brandon Montour. 
Um, I think he's a kind of a local guy. I think he's from Caledonia area. Around there, yeah. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know he played for the junior B team there for one season. And uh, we started off with the Ducks. Definitely thrived in the AHL. I think he was about like 0.85 points per game for a defenseman. That's pretty incredible. Uh, Then he got moved. Like, obviously, I'm not sure. What the Ducks did with their defense is a different story for me because I thought they had one of the best defense defensive cores in the league maybe two yeah. three years ago and then they moved they moved Montour they moved Vatnin and then they end up just I think with, they still only have Fowler and Lindholm left yeah. right so yeah. I, I, I don't know but with, like I saw it and Montour basically back to Montour is that he got he brought in for the Ducks when they traded him to Buffalo a first round pick and uh, Brendan Gould I think his name is and he's like he's gonna be an NHL defenseman. They valued him as a top six guy as well. So I'm not saying that Travis Dermott is as good as Brandon Montour, but he definitely Dermott definitely didn't put up the points that Montour has in the NHL thus far. Mm-hmm. But similar age, you could probably get Dermott at a much cheaper value than what Montour's current contract is. Mm-hmm. So like you, you know that you're probably looking at a second and maybe a a bottom pair youngish defenseman that could, that still has a little bit of room to grow, but you just like I hate to say it, but like if Dermot played right if Dermot played right handed, he was a right shot defenseman. I'd say this guy's a lock to be on the team. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that he's not, and I'd love to keep him on the team. I think he's fantastic. I think he's got a meat streak to him. Uh, I just like I just not confident that already he's kind of struggled on the left side. He hasn't progressed as, as much as everyone else has expected it to him, and now you're asking him to move to the right side and possibly play with Morgan Riley in the second pair role. It's a lot to ask over uh, over the course of an offseason to develop into that kind of role. And the offseason's already going to be a little wonky with this this pandemic, right? So yeah. I just I, I'm very, very... Uh, pessimistic I guess you could say on him developing into that at least for next season but the problem is t- clock's ticking right especially when he's up for a new contract and there's di- there's a higher hole in the lineup right like we're trying to get that partner for Riley essentially right yeah. so if you can't find that internally you have to look and see what can we package to get that because it's very clear that Sandy and Muzzin and Riley on the left side is like locked in so that, like it's just, and now you and it's just a matter of filling those three on the right side. So if Dermot can't do that, then I, I think it's inevitable that you got to look to move him, right? Yeah, and I think the signing of Letnin opens up the door because he can play both. For and sure. I believe the you know I think he I think Letnin played on the right side all of last season and kind of felt comfortable doing it. So it just it it allows us to kind of look at maybe even looking at someone maybe trying to bring in another Zach Hyman. To kind of round out the top six. Because wherever that guy goes, that line excels. Like, he just does all him, though, the small Pat. things right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Pat, but I think you got another uh, Zach Hyman type in Mikhaev. Mikhaev, yeah. You know what, it just, I guess his like, shortened like, season I, kind of made me forget about him. But yeah, yeah, yeah Mikhaev is like, definitely... I think that top, you mentioned the top six. I, I don't think they should... Out of the five guys, I don't think they should touch the top six. You got Hyman, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, and, and Mikhaev. Yeah, that's your six, right? 
whoever fills in underneath is like that. Those, as far as I'm concerned, going into training camp, those jobs are up for grabs. I could be. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole entire bottom six looks different next season, depending yeah. on where the cap is. Yeah, and depending on what might be available and, for and Kerfoot too, and, right? So yeah, and Kerfoot and Kapanen as well, right? Yeah. Well, that that it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, with my response, I kind of interpreted it a little bit differently. But I, I would say pretty similar to where Pat was going with it. I tried to stay within the cap, um, and this was more of a deal that I, I want to see happen. Uh, rather than I would hope to see happen, because truthfully, I think it makes sense for both teams. And that would have been Andreas Janssen, Travis Dermott, a 2020 fourth-round pick, and a 2021 second-round pick for Colton Paranko and a 2021 third. Now, hear me out. I know it sounds like a lot. I know it's a massive defenseman to go grab. But, but, here's my reasoning. I think Janssen will be an instant second liner on St. Louis, who already has an old core, i.e. Bozak, Steen, Perron, Trevor Bauer, and O'Reilly, who's turning 30 this year. I think yeah. I think Janssen sliding him on the second line beside Braden Shen is a great, great idea for them, considering the way they uh, organize their team and the way they go about their cap. Uh, they clearly don't have any expensive players. I mean, I think Tarasenko's their most expensive. Um, and, and... It keeps them young because they have a very old team. Yonson, um, I think Yonson's a great player. I just don't think he fits on the third line in Toronto, and I don't see him squeezing in on the second line either. No. So, in essence, you're 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 wasting yeah. his talent at three point five million dollars. Um, and doing this deal for St. Louis gives them a chance to re-sign Petriangelo, which is what they wanted to do, which is what I've read. Who knows what the truth is? Um, but I've heard that they want to keep Petriangelo there. Uh, I, I I think Luke I I you mentioned a guy that I love I think Pareko is an absolute stud like ideal stud. like ideally like you we mentioned on the last podcast you mentioned about a uh, NHL one the video game right like that that would probably he'd be the first guy that I go after um, if Every I year. were in the virtual yeah. in the virtual G- GM kind of role I I am strongly skeptic about. Uh, St. Louis moving them just because I think absolutely val- like 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 in a in a perfect world where you can just pluck someone off a team, it would definitely be him. I but the fact that you mentioned it about Petriangelo is that the the moves that St. Louis has made up until this point kind of leads to them having to decide on Pareko or Petriangelo. Or Petriangelo, yeah. exactly. Right, because they. They just signed, like, something they, they, they did last off or uh, just earlier this season, when they signed Justin Falk to that seven-year, uh, $6.5 million a year deal. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, you probably have the two best right-hand shooting defensemen, like, any team has together, right? Like, there, I don't yeah. think there's a team in the league that can match Petriangelo and Pareko on the right side. There right? So. Now, their left side, they got Vince Dunn. Um, Bortuzzo. But for uh yeah, Bortuzzo he he can he's uh he comes in at one point three. But then they signed Justin Falk and I'm like, yeah. is this guy gonna play the left or like I, I really don't know, right? So they either are gonna let Petrangelo walk, which whether the Leafs have a shot at him is a story for another day. But I would just love Perry. Like now that you mentioned him, I Yeah, he'd think be another guy. He's another guy that fills the hole. Like for so long, if there's one thing about this Leaf organization is they have a hole and they're always kicking the can down the road. When it was with yep. Sundin, it was, oh, we'll get him a winger. And it never materialized. 
and it just and then there was a time where we didn't have a goalie and then you know it, there's just always been this thing about Toronto is they know that there's a need and it's always we'll, we'll wait till tomorrow we'll wait till tomorrow where I think you're starting to see with Kyle Dubas is bringing in a lot of these young assets low risk high return or high potential for return in hopes that we can start moving some of these current bodies for you know to, to fill those those big holes which is exactly what I think needs to be done, which is truthfully yeah. why I, I actually spent a decent amount of time researching this deal. I didn't just create this, you know, out of thin yeah, air. It was sure. yeah. it was something I genuinely thought about because I looked at it from all angles. Yeah. If if St. Louis is genuinely an old team, it, I'm not making that up. The stats are there. Dermot and Yonton are young players, and Dermot's a good defenseman. He just isn't working on, on Toronto right now because he's, he's still got – room to grow he still needs to learn it i don't think toronto has that time right now and it's not to say that oh their cup window's closing it's just to say that yeah. they need a top defenseman now yeah not tomorrow not yesterday yeah. they need it now yeah. so this is the best chance at getting it and if you're gonna have to lose you know a 20 goal score 25 goal score in Janssen, and and you know what i assume dermot will become a good defenseman in the nhl if you have to lose that now to gain colton pranko i'm all in on that and clearly yeah. draft picks yeah. aren't aren't i shouldn't say that important to do this but he's not He's not scared to make a move to move up and down the draft. He clearly knows what he's doing. The scouting, the scouting department in Toronto is obviously good. They stole yeah. Nick Robertson last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I sure. just think, I just think losing a, a, even a second round pick next year is, is is no big deal to Toronto if you're if you're considering on grabbing Pranko. And now the worry is you're going to have to pay Pranko and Riley at the same time. Okay. So if you don't, if you're not paying CC, you're not paying Barry. That's seven million dollars. That's got to go to somebody. The cap is going to grow. You, I understand that in this moment it might not, but in two years, three years from the road when they have to be paid, it has to it move has up. It has to go I, up. There's just too much money I, coming I, into the league with with um, Seattle like and the TV deal. Uh, yeah, I just to, just to, I'm looking at it from the St. Louis perspective. Like whenever I try and think of a deal uh, deals like this, where like what do I think is an ideal scenario for the Leafs or an ideal trade? I always try and put myself in the shoes of the other team. And say, okay, these players that I'm trading from the Leafs to this team, where do they fit in the lineup? And, the, and how you just described it, you got Janssen to fit in a, as a top six left winger there, which they definitely have a hole in, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. So and then Oscar and then Sundquist at, is playing and, on their second yeah, line. Uh, and then I look at, and then I'm looking at, um, their defense, right? And I think you know they're probably they're going to resign Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn was a stud for them. I don't know why they. Signed Marco Scandella to four-year deal. I'm guessing they're. He's good. That the sad, the sad part about that is Bomister's career is probably over yeah. due to those health concerns. And then you got Dermot, and if you can bring in Dermot on a value deal, yep. Like like give you, him a shot. You you're, you you and you resign you resign Petrangelo to whatever he wants because obviously he probably wants to stay there. The, the rumors are that. Petrangelo is not interested in coming to Toronto, so yeah. other, I, I'm not sure where he is looking to go. But I assume he probably wants to stay in St. Louis. He's the captain there. He's won a cup there, right? So Been if he wants to time. keep his yeah. roots there, if he wants to keep his roots there, the Blues are going to have to re-sign him. And then that means that you could still run, even if you trade Pareko, as good as he is. And mind you. He doesn't put up a lot of points, but he has tremendous value. I don't like to put yeah, it's not what he needs to do. Value, uh, yeah, I just don't. I don't like to value defensemen solely no. on their points. But no. for St. Louis's perspective, they can still roll out Petriangelo, Dunn, Dermot, Falk. and Justin Falk as their top four. Yeah, and then you got Scandella and Bartuzzo. Like, like it, it, it is Makes not, sense, not man. 
leaving them. They're not leaving a hole by trading Pareko. Absolutely not. They're getting better. As long as they could resign Petrangelo. Absolutely. That's that's what it's contingent on. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's exactly what that 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 would that trade be contingent on for sure. Well, on that note, I guess that kind of uh, transitions us into another question, which you know what I found it was. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I, I don't know what the infatuation with, with P.K. Subban is and, and Toronto, but it feels like this guy just can never, ever, ever move on and move to a different team and just stay there. It, there always has to be a rumor about P.K. Subban and Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and you know, when he was in Montreal, that was fine because he was dominating. Oh, he's, he's regressed. It, it's, it's, it's clearly evident that this guy has regressed, and I still don't understand what the infatuation is with him. Uh, so the question was... Janssen and Kerfoot for Subban at 50% salary retained and Zaka. Um, I'm going to say no, and I have so many reasons why, but I'm just going to say no. But if I'm going to shoot it to Anthony first to see what uh, see what he thinks. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's, it's very hard just because it's mainly contingent on, on Subban's play uh, as of late. Like, his last season in Nashville... He just he just looked a step behind. I I think I think he had an injury last year, um, and then in New Jersey it just hasn't worked out for him. Like no. like uh, if I all I, I would like to if I had to put a firm answer on it, I'd probably do it. I would because I think that it just it gives you a, a right shooting defenseman to that as bad as you think Subban has been over his last two years. He is, in fact, an upgrade on what we have right now. Is he? You know what I mean? I is think he, he is. He, on the right side, yes, he is. I think so. He is. Now, that's just not to base it off name value. You're trading from a position of strength, which is your forward group, right? You have Janssen and Kerfoot. Now, Kerfoot hasn't had the best season in Toronto. Um, I do think he is a better third-line center than Zaka right now. But you're getting Subban at four point five million. You're getting Zaka at I'm not even sure what his uh his cap's at. I, let me just look that up for a second. Does anyone okay, know that off is, the top Subban, of their head? But is Subban at fifty percent retained worth it? I still don't think so. I, I, I don't, don't want to pay Subban four point uh, five million dollars. Uh, what, what? How many years left? Does Subban only have uh one year left after this year? That I don't he know has, yet. He, but... he has he has two years left. I just looked it up. So. Yeah. It would be so Subban. Subban would be uh, coming in at four point five for next season and the season after that, and Zaka would be coming in at two point two five for the next two years. Exactly, um, man. I don't know. Zaka Zaka's two years younger than Kerfoot. Uh, former sixth overall pick in twenty fifteen had a had his best career. He had a career year this season. Um, and I, I think I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do this, guys. To be honest with you, um, yeah. just hear me out for a second. I, I, I know Subban is a very polarizing player, and frankly, I could very well see a scenario where he becomes this, this team's Jake Gardner. He gets the Jake Gardner, Tyson Berry treatment, where the, he, every game is just a, there's a discussion about him. He either made a great play, and his defenders are gonna back him up, or the people that already hated him are just going to never be satisfied with his play. But I think that he can help this team in the top four better than a Dermot right now, better than a Lilligren, better than a, a Justin Hall right now. 
like I, I, I maybe if you just pair Subban with Muzzin, right? And maybe you go Hall, Riley, Muzzin, Subban. Muzzin's a very stable defenseman. You can, I, I can envision it. I, I just can. I think you're selling low on Janssen a tad bit. But I think you're selling low on both. I think you're selling low on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're pro- yeah, you probably are. And you know what? To me, it just depends on how, how desperate Dubis is to get that, 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 uh, that partner for Riley. Because, guys, I'll just say this: we know for a very, like, it was a, a known fact that at the draft last year, twenty nine, the twenty nineteen draft, the Leafs were the second closest team to getting Subban. It yeah. was contingent on the fifty percent retain. They, the, the, uh, I think Nashville, Nashville was gonna trade him to the Leafs, and I believe Kadri was part of that deal. That was the, that was, Kadri was part of that deal. That they were gonna get, they were going for Subban before they got uh, Barry, and Kadri was part of that deal. But Dubis did not want to take Subban at nine million. The, the deal was contingent on Nashville eating the half fifty percent. But the reason why they traded him to New Jersey was because New Jersey had the cap space, and they took that. They took on the full, full uh, portion of Subban's contract. I'm just saying that I know he's a polarizing player, but we know that they were. We know that Dubis was interested. Now maybe this season changed Dubis's mind, right? I hope. I hope. I, you, yeah, yeah. You know what? That that's also the possibility. But I think I'm. I, I'm doing this. I am. Yeah. No. Fair enough, Pat. How about you? I guess for myself, I. I, I always had an issue with Subban's defensive game and it just it almost feels like we're repeating the same issue. The Berries, yep. the Gardeners, they're great offensively, but at times, especially in the playoffs, they leave you with wanting more defensively. And I just you know, if Lennon becomes who we all hope or who the scouting reports say he is, they have enough scoring on defense. It's plugging yep. up the hole in front of the net. Someone that can clear out the goaltending, like free up the big, you know, a bigger body like a Manson or Perienko that could clear out the front of the net. Um, you know, I just, I just think that, and if you're going to use like a Kerfoot and a Johnson, you're getting a better return than Subban and 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 um, in that in that Subban trade. I think Kerfoot just has too much value on the market. I think so too, and, and and I'm gonna be completely honest with you. I think Leafs Nation criminally underrate Alex Kerfoot just because of the poor season he had, yeah. which is fair. Which is fair. And you know, because of the guy, that, and because of the guy he was traded for. Yes, yes. But when you're traded, even for then that doesn't make any sense. But even yeah, then that doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense. No, Leafs Nation okay. is, is is so upset that Nazem Kadri was traded at four and a half million dollars. As a third line center, he would have been a third line center. There's literally no way he could have moved up the lineup, barring any injuries. So so let me get this straight. Leafs Nation was more comfortable with having a $4.5 million third-line center than having Tyson Berry on the roster. He had a bad year. And I don't think he had a bad year. I think he had an, an average year, which was bad in Leafs Nation's eyes. So, so they're saying they'd rather have a third-line center than a top-four defenseman who could have panned out to be a very good defenseman. Uh, it's, it's hilarious to me that it was, it was at a point, it was Subban was the savior. We got Barry. Barry turned out to be bad, and then the deal—the deal was terrible. Everyone said, "Oh, Kadri for Kerfoot," and and Barry was an awful deal. Awful, one of the worst deals he's ever made. Why? Why? Because the two players didn't pan out, or because they didn't pan out as well as you thought they were going to pan out. Because in my eyes, Barry had an okay year. And if you remove the time with Babcock, Barry had a great year with Keith. Barry had a good year. Exactly. Barry had a great year with Keith. And funny, and you know what? 
Yeah, exactly. Clifford had a better I, I, season I, with Keith. Guys, I, 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 I disagree on the Barry thing, but I, I do get your point. I, I and that's completely okay. That, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Kerfoot was the key part of that trade. I think what if putting myself in Dubis's shoes is that I think what he was trying to do was, you know what, Cat, we're we Kadri at four and a half million as a third line center, is. Is not what this is not what this team needs right yeah. now. Nope. Plus, plus the fact that the in, the, the injuries. Well, the uh, two suspensions the to Kadri didn't help yeah, his they, case. They, they they didn't help his case either. No. But when you when you think about it, they're like, you know what, Kadri's going to be thirty soon. Kerfoot, I think, is going to be twenty. He's twenty five. I think right yeah. now yeah. he's twenty five. So you're 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 getting a third line center who put up forty points the past two seasons. Yep. Um, he had good defensive numbers. And you're like, you know what? This guy can mold into a, a more typical, prototypical third line center. And, 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 and whatever Tyson Berry gives us this year is is the cherry on top type of thing, right? So, so the deal on paper made complete sense, but I don't think Tyson Berry was the guy that we needed. Just as if you guys are arguing that PK Subban probably isn't the guy that we need right now. I agree, but if there is no deal out there for a Josh Manson, for um, a Pareko, uh, who else can I think of that, like maybe, like I don't know if you could pluck uh, maybe a more underrated defenseman, uh, I, I'm not sure if you guys know who he is, because I've really just been doing research about him over the last week, is, um, Matt, I think his name is uh, Matt Roy in LA, had some yeah. very good yeah. underlying yeah. numbers, he, he could be a top he could be a top four defenseman for this team as well, but it, it's just a matter of like we can we could pluck all these guys that we like, right? But if they're not available, what can Dubas do? If Subban's available and, and and you think you can make that deal, that's good. Maybe maybe you're it doesn't cost like this hypothetical trade. Maybe the Leafs don't have to uh, give up as much for both Zaka and Subban. You don't you never know, right? Because New Jersey is really going in a different direction. Still yeah, yeah, maybe you still don't want it, right? I, I, I can respect because that. Because really, right? like, if you're going to trade Kerfoot, you ha- you could replace him with Spezza at 700000 as a third-line center. And Spezza would just be no, ideal in that third or fourth-line center position. Line. I, yeah, but Spezza really can't play 82 that's games. No, but at least it, it buys you some I, time. I think that there's there's it's easier to find a fourth or third-line center than it is to find that top four defenseman that we're looking for. So, like, if a team's come calling and, and they're asking for certain names, I think you have to look at necessity and then backfill any way you can, right? Like, I think it's easier to, to find a, a cheaper third-line center, even if you can find one a little bit cheaper than Kerfoot, and maybe leverage Spezza. Maybe you have someone that Spezza can split the season with. Maybe Spezza starts some of the games at fourth line, some of them at three line, yeah. more of a matching Position Pierre Engvall or Engvall, maybe. Yeah, he was brutal. Yeah, like, he was like, brutal like, at like, center. He, That's true. At, at, you you know what though? Like I think like if he can develop in that, I I, I think they were very quick to give him that extension at one point one two five or whatever. But yeah, like I I understand the idea that you, maybe you want to backfill that. Though like we're looking at that third line of Janssen. At the end of the day, guys, we're looking at Janssen per foot. Or yeah, one of the three or two of the three might be gone. You're, you're you're not getting you're not getting a defenseman for Morgan Riley without giving up 
one or two of those names. Yeah. I personally would rather give up Kerfoot and Janssen together in a package over trading Kasperi Kapanen on his own. That's my opinion. I think Kapanen is the more unique talent. I think he brings a, a mean streak that I don't think the other two have. He's got like a bit of a... When he wants like, to. Yeah, when he wants to. Yeah, yeah. When, when he wants to, he's got a bit of that FU attitude, right? Like, you know what? Like, he, like I, I don't care. Like, this, this, you're not going to push me out of the game, right? I yeah. thought he was tremendous in the playoffs, too. Like, I, I really liked him. So, I, I don't know. If, if, if you had to choose one of the two, right? If you guys had to tr- choose either Janssen and Kerfoot as a package, trading out for a defenseman, or Kapanen, who would you guys choose? Just Whoever gets me the better return. I, I think so, the, so I think the need at defense yeah, trumps up. name. At this point, for just given how porous the defense has been, mm-hmm. if it plugs up a major hole and we can kind of put some stucco on the little cracks on the third and fourth line, you know, I think fixing that defense moving forward, if they're ever going to take the, the next step, it just has to happen. I agree. I agree fully. And, I, mm-hmm. and going off of what you said, I do value Kapanen more than... Um, I, I do value... Kapanen more than I would value, say, Janssen. I don't think I would put Kapanen over Kerfoot. You know, I might get torched for that, but I think I think Kerfoot's versatility is a lot more important than people are are, are understanding. Um, I think the fact that he can move up and down the lineup is crucial at $3.5 million solely because you can have weaker guys on the third and fourth line and have this guy jump up when need be and not have to worry about it. I know he was a little non-existent on the left wing at times last year, but his role is a third-line center, and if he gets to play that, I 100% think that he will excel going into next year. Um, and on that note, we can actually transition into the last question here. Uh, when do Leaf fans start getting concerned about Ottawa and their vastly improving groups of youngsters? So I'm going to assume that talks a lot about their depth, but we also can't forget that they have a ton of draft picks. Yeah. Um, so I don't know yeah. if Pat, you, want to, you want to start with that one? Ottawa's an interesting topic. Because they do remind me of the Leafs. They have cap space now if they want to use it. They have guys like Shabbat already in places, you know, that are like on defense. Um, Could they parlay some of those picks to bring in talent for now? You know, maybe take advantage of a team that's cap strapped that we're not even thinking of. Like, maybe keep some of the picks, flip others. And one thing that is kind of fallen under the radar, at least because of all the COVID stuff and the shutdown season, is we have an expansion draft coming up yes. with Seattle. So, like, does Ottawa then maybe start to work with them and maybe figure out a way to that where it doesn't cripple their franchise as you know moving forward? So, Ottawa's going to be one of those really fun teams. I, I'm happy that Melnick has gone out of the way and is allowing Pierre Dorian to now run the show, have a hockey guy run the show. Because um, I yep. think that that was missing in Ottawa. I think Melnick just was the Ottawa's version of Ballard. But I, I like where they're going. And I said it to one Ottawa Senators fan on on our Facebook page. Is I can't wait to have the Battle of Ottawa. I think it's going to be so much fun. And I hope it's soon. I hope so too. I want the Battle of Ontario back to where, where it should be. I, I'll tell you one thing. It wasn't... It wasn't the most uh, optimistic time growing up being a Leaf fan, but I will say watching them play Ottawa with Alfredson and Heatley and whatnot and those hard-hitting battles, it was it was fun, and I hope they can get back to that level because watching Edmonton and Calgary go head-to-head now, and I just, I, I hope, I hope, because that was, that was something to see for sure. Ant, how about you? 
I think to strict to answer the question flat out, I think the time is now. And I'm just gonna and I'm just gonna lay some uh, some cold hard facts to Leafs Nation here. Um, I think there there's gonna be a time down the line, bar um, that Ottawa is gonna have maybe not the name or not not to say name brand sorry not the like their top Ottawa's top players aren't gonna be as good as the Leafs top players, but I can envision a I can envision a hard scenario um, where the like Ottawa is going to be a deeper team in terms of uh, uh, throughout their lineup. I'm going to give you some names that I think are just going to be absolutely unreal for this team. You got guys like Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Drake Batherson. You got Logan Brown, Anthony Duclair had a breakout season, All Star this year. Colin White, who I think is going to probably fill in in their third-line center role. Yep. Brady Kachuk is going to mold into probably one of the best wingers in the NHL. He shoot Like, if you look, look I think, there, I can't remember the exact stat uh, off the top of my head, but Brady Kachuk is at the top of the league in hits and shots together. Once you meet that threshold, he's at the top of the league for, like, over 300 shots, I think it is. And then you have a guy like Connor Brown, who I love to hear in Toronto, Vitaly Abramov. Their defense, their top four is probably locked in for 10 years. You got Shabbat and Brandstrom on the left side, and you got Jacob Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson, right, on the, on the right side. So that's their top four. And I didn't even mention the fact that right in this coming up, in this draft up, uh, coming up in 2020, I'm looking at a mock draft right now. They got, uh, uh, in this mock draft, they got Quentin Byfield and Tim Stutzel uh, at mm-hmm. second and third overall. Mm-hmm. Tim Stutzel is going to be a, a bona fide top six winger in the NHL, going to be a star. He's an elite transition player. I've watched some tape on him. He's fantastic. He's playing against men in Germany right now. He was amazing at the World Juniors. Well, Byfield, not very good at the World Juniors, I'm, but I'm sure that if he doesn't enter the NHL next year, uh, he's going to be one of the stars for Canada at next year's World Junior. World Junior. He's an Evgeny Malkin type. That's my comp for him. Um, but if, even if they don't get a guy like Stutzel, I think Byfield is the guy that Ottawa needs to take if they had to choose either uh, Stutzel or Byfield. You can grab a guy like Jamie Drysdale, put him aside Shabbat. You have probably one of the best pairs in the NHL for the next 12 years. So these are the, like it's just they they just accumulated a ton of assets. They have seven second round picks in the next two drafts, four Crazy. first round picks in the next two drafts. Now the caveat is this, guys, and uh, and I know we're gonna try and wrap up soon, so I'll end my Ottawa answer with this: is that we have seen the star player in Ottawa leave how many times? Yeah. Right. Now that owner Eugene Malnick, I think is just an absolutely abysmal owner. I think if the league had its choice, they would take the team away from him. But they, I don't think they can for, for some legal ramifications. But Mark Stone leaves. Didn't want to stay there. One of the best right-wingers in the game. Right? They locked up Shabbat, which I thought was some good work. And I think they got him at $8 million a year. But... You're going to accumulate all these guys, right? You got seven, you're going to have seven picks in the top 60 this year. 
you're going to hit on maybe three or four of them. If they become stars, yeah, that's great. But are you going to be willing to pony up when they when those uh, RFAs come up for a new deal, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and the organization is obviously known to be a little cheap. Well, I should say the organization, I should say the owner. Um, I, and, and I think for me, the biggest piece is, I don't want to say DJ Smith turned everything around, but I do think he did a really good job in, in getting these you know, lower-profile players to, to somehow carve out a, a good season. I mean, Ottawa obviously didn't have the best season, but they were competitive. As a gambler, you would know if you watched their games, you know, you thought it was a taking it easy when Ottawa came up against one of the big big boys and all of a sudden the game's close going into the third and you're you're questioning your decision and it's like well where did where did this team where did this team come from and I think DJ Smith did a really good job at, at just getting the most out of all their players um, and I think if he can continue to do that and Ottawa can continue to, to slowly build and and have their AHL team just continue continuously develop it'll be scary man I don't see them necessarily being scary next year um, but I do definitely see them competing yeah. a lot more than, than this. Pat said it. Pat said it earlier. Um, you mentioned, sorry, you mentioned the AHL team. They were one of the best AHL teams in the league this year. Yeah. yeah. But Pat said it earlier. They remind, even this season, they reminded me of the year that the Leafs tanked to get Matthews. Mm-hmm. They were that team had. I, I don't even want to remember who. The, like, I'm pretty. Pa Prairanto was their leader for, I believe. Yeah. Right. So, uh, but. They were just hard to play against, and I think D- DJ Smith was a pro. Uh, he, he was kind of like a he was uh, he was under the tutelage of Babcock when Babcock brought him in to, to be an assistant coach at the Leafs, and I think he took a lot of that kind of that accountability uh, for say what you want about Mike Babcock, but Babcock did change the culture around here in terms of you know what you leave your ego at the door and we're gonna play hard every night, and it's. Obviously, that mentality doesn't work when you have a bunch of young star players making a lot of money. But when you have guys that aren't very uh, highly touted in terms of their name, it's it's very good to convince them that, hey, we're going to play this way. And that's what DJ Smith did. He brought that culture into Ottawa. And I think he's going to be good for those young stars at least until uh, while they're under their entry-level deal, for sure. Well, guys, this has been great. It's another Mailbag Podcast. So much to discuss, so much still left to say. Um, For those of you whose questions weren't mentioned in this evening's podcast, uh, we will carry them over till next week. Thank you for everyone that contributed. Guys, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this podcast up? No, none. Everyone stay safe. Let's get this thing over with, and uh, let's try and get back to hockey and back to reality. Me too, yeah. Just everyone stay safe. Again, thanking the frontline workers for everything that they're doing. Is it? I, I saw it on social media. Is it Nurses Week this week? Yeah, something like that, yes. yeah. I believe, yeah. Yeah, so thank you to all the nurses that are uh, working their butts off on the front line. So thank you for everything that they're doing. That's it, really. Just hopefully we can get out of this as soon as possible. Most definitely. Thanks, gentlemen. And uh, thank you all for listening. And look out for the next Mailbag podcast next week. Thank you.